This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Unfortunately, for everyone except one person, the jackpot of $70 million is gone. Someone won it on Tuesday. And we now know more about the person who won. 22-year-old oh. grocery bagger. Yes! From the South Shore of Quebec City. Oh, geez. Here we go. <laughs> Get that guy a reality show tomorrow. Well, we don't even know who he is. Uh, Lotto Quebec has not confirmed the identity of the the winner, but people who know him told uh, media outlets that, yeah, this is the guy who won. He works at the IGA, bagging groceries, figuring out what he wants to do with his life, 22 years old. Now he has $70 million Holy. in the bank. Good luck, bud. You got all, I would just immediately get a financial advisor, say, put it in the bank, give me a, like an allowance. If you were 22, you'd do I think that? So. I, think I, I think I would. With that kind of money, you got to do something. You have to, you have to come to the realization very quickly that you're out of your league when you go from grocery bagger to almost a hundred millionaire. Oh, imagine if he just buys that IGA. Uh, if and he hated fires his boss, his boss. <laughs> yeah, like every twenty-two-year-old fantasy. No, you're fired, Gary. <laughs> but now I own an IGA. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if twenty-two years old. Obviously, I would have taken it if, I, in retrospect, here if I had the chance to win seventy million at twenty-two. Mm-hmm. But I think the ideal age for me to win the lottery would have been about now <laughs> in my <laughs> Anytime life. Anytime now, you know. Once yeah. you're a little more settled. You got, you got your, a family. You got a family. You got your priorities in order. Yeah. Because 22, that kind of money, like you can do whatever you want. It is, it's going to change you. It's also funny because around that age, you have a lot of friends who are only kind of peripheral friends. Right. Party people. You still talk to everyone from high school. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have a lot of people knocking at the door and uh, asking for some cash probably. A problem we'd all love to have this morning. How big would your door be? (laughs) If they're going to knock on my door, they got to get past the dogs. And the moat. And the lasers. (laughs) (laughs) If you're in Hamilton, it's going to be tougher to find a cab this weekend, Jim. Yeah, I guess over 100 taxis will no longer be operating in Hamilton because of insurance rates. Uh, you know, we all know what's been happening with Uber and Lyft and licenses have been harder to get for cabs, cabbies. They've been losing money, but I guess their insurance rates have in the meantime skyrocketed. Drivers who are accustomed to paying between 7000 and 9000 per year are now required to pay between 14000 and 24000 wow. per year. You'd think with Uber and Lyft, like the insurance rates would go down because there's so many more options, but it's the opposite. And now it's going to be tougher for the average person in Hamilton to get home or to get where they're going for the next little while anyways. Mm-hmm. It's brutal. You're right. Ever since Uber came along, I feel like those poor taxi drivers just can't catch a break. Was a Hungarian New to Canada With very few skills So he drove a cab To 
make some cash for his family. Weird scent, taxi covered in dance. But he would show up downtown every night to drive your drunk ass home. Even let you go to McDonald's. Then Ubermann made his way to the city, breaking the rules and having no pity. And sometimes I just feel like I don't really trust their Uber insurance. Hey, knobs, they're stealing all of her jobs. Marvin screamed as him and his taxi buddies clogged the roads in protest. Tried to stop the progress that is Uber. Got tired of struggling He got a new gig Delivering food At a pizza place Till he'll get replaced By a robot Uberman doesn't make No apology And next it could be you That gets screwed by technology and sometimes I feel bad but I have to admit it is a pretty good app single tear rolling down my cheek for those cab drivers right nice job singing there Jim thank you all natural I didn't know you had it in you <laughs> We uh, definitely love reading all the comments on the Facebook pages. And you posted this picture uh, yesterday, Jim, mm-hmm. of a license plate imprint on the back of a dirty bumper. Yeah, the headline of the photo was one good reason not to wash your truck to prevent hit and runs because the person had hit this dirty truck in the bumper so hard that it actually, in the dirt, left an imprint of their exact license plate. Perfectly. We do know that it's a great uh, example of what could happen if somebody hit your bumper and your car was dirty. Totally. You could track down the license plate, no problem, as long as you have the ability to read backwards. (laughs) (laughs) If only I could read backwards! Well, one guy's not impressed by it. Here, this guy Evan Taz, he left a a message, and he said, You know why people, quote, hit and run? Because even when you're honest, people are a-holes who freak the F out, even for an honest mistake. So for those with horrible anxiety, yeah, they panic and dip. Do they want to? Probably not, but they panic, and that's what happens because people snap over ridiculous damage that could be easily fixed with a touch-up, not a body shop or insurance. My first accident could have been fixed with whiteout. 
Easy to say when it's not your car, by the way. I like, and I also like. He says, "My first accident. <laughs> yeah. How many have followed, Evan? Could have been fixed with whiteout. Yet she, she, she insurance claimed it for two grand. There are lots of reasons for people to hit and run, mainly because people freak the f out and other person panics and dips. Aggression and anxiety don't mix well. So he's trying to justify people who hit other vehicles with their vehicle." and then flee the scene. That is definitely Evan's license plate in that picture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can't blame anxiety. No. Like, yeah, I, if you don't want to experience that, don't run into other cars, dummy. Every mistake comes with consequences. Stick around and deal with it. And how are you going to know if they're a jerk and over overreacting if you don't stick around? <laughs> His argument is basically, uh, yeah, I know I drove into that other person, but... I got really anxious about having to pay for the damage, <laughs> yeah. so I left. Yes, we know. What? We they know you don't want to pay for it. Me. <laughs> they were probably going to be angry that they were stopped at a red light, and I didn't stop, and my car drove into the back yeah. of their car. My, Why are they being a jerk about this situation? Sometimes when I turn around to reverse, my anxiety goes up, so I just hit the gas and don't look behind <laughs> me when I'm bagging up. <laughs> Oh, I, man, Evan. And, and by the way, if you're worried about getting screwed over by... <laughs> Not buying me over with this argument, buddy. If you're worried about getting screwed over by the insurance people or the other person too, just take lots of pictures. You can take it to a body shop and then you come with both of your quotes together and you pick one in the don't middle. Don't even give Evan any advice here. <laughs> I, I don't you. think he's going to take it. And uh, the bottom line is, <laughs> you don't. if you hit somebody, you don't take off. Yes. That's... The bottom line. It's, you're wrong. You're in the wrong. If you drive into somebody and then you leave without dealing with the situation, even if you're anxious about it, you're wrong. And if your anxiety is bad, imagine sitting at home waiting for that phone call oh. or the cops to show up. How about oh, that I always anxiety? think about that. Like if there's a bad hit and run, someone's in the hospital or someone gets killed. Like if you were the person, you keep hearing that story on the news. And you've got your damaged car in the garage. In the garage. Yeah. Oh, the nightmares you'd have. Don't hit and run. We have a couple of texts coming in here. Sometimes I steal because I'm too anxious to speak at, to the person at the checkout. That makes sense. <laughs> just don't pay for anything, Evan. <laughs> I want to see you peacock, cock, cock. Time for sports here with Taz and Jim and our sports guy joining us from Toronto, Global News Radio's Devin Peacock. Hey, Dev. Morning, guys. Speculation has been swirling for months now. Will Tom Brady return to the New England Patriots? Now signs pointing towards no. Yeah, there's a ESPN report. Uh, Jeff Darlington is the reporter. He is uh, saying that um, Brady himself uh, is believing that he will be leaving the Patriots in free agency. Uh, Jeff Darlington has gone so far as to say he would be absolutely stunned if he were to return to New England. And it's certainly possible that he would leave New England. Uh, all the signs have been pointing that way. The one thing I would say for Jeff Darlington and for everyone else out there 
is um, pump the brakes a little bit. One of the, uh, one of the big parts of this report from Jeff Darlington and others is uh, Brady and the Patriots have had no contact since the end of the season, and so a lot of people reading that as another sign that he is going to leave. But the one reason they haven't had contact is the NFL is currently in negotiations on a new CBA. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to talk contract if you don't have a CBA, because if you don't know what the parameters of the contract could look like, it's kind of pointless to talk about a contract. It's crazy to me to think of Tom Brady wearing any other uniform than the New England Patriots. Uh, But then again, it was crazy for me to think about Brett Favre. Uh, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning wearing another uniform. They both did it at the end of their career. Speculation as to where he could end up if Tom Brady doesn't remain with the Patriots, Dev. There's the, uh, I was going to say the Oakland Raiders, but now the uh, Las Vegas Raiders are a possibility. The Los Angeles Chargers are a possibility. Philip Rivers is almost uh, assuredly going to leave uh, the Chargers. He is a free agent. There's a ton of, of, uh, of, of uh, guessing right now saying that he's going to go to Indianapolis. The uh, combine was this week in Indy, and everyone is connecting him to Indianapolis. So obviously there's an opening in, uh, in Los Angeles with the Chargers. Also, like Brady is a California guy. He grew up a 49ers fan, so going to the Chargers would kind of make sense. But, uh, I mean, Brady, all along this season, even into last season, there were a lot of signs that he would be leaving the Patriots. The one thing I still don't get about the Patriots side of all this is if Brady leaves, well, then who replaces him? And so that's the one point where I kind of just hedge my bet ever so slightly. It's like, okay, I can understand why these two sides want to split up. But who did the Patriots go to? Because they almost, you know, they they lost in the first round, but they almost went pretty far in the playoffs last year. They had a really good team. They continued to dominate the AFC East. As a Bills fan, I would love for Brady to leave the Patriots <laughs> <Yeah>. because that would, <laughs> that would mean the Bills could finally maybe have a shot at this. But if not Brady, then who for the Patriots? And that's the one point where I say, okay, I see all the signs pointing Brady away from New England, but who do they replace him with? And there's no good answer for that. So, Jim, you've got something going on here, obviously. You've been distracted. I've been trying to talk to you all morning, and you keep staring at your computer. What's up? I found an amazing Twitter feed Uh uh, filled with beautiful women Okay, with a a twist. What's it called? Mug shawties. Mug shawties? (laughs) So it's like mug shots, but with shorties. Mug shawty. You know... Mug shawties. It's spelled uh, M-U-G for mug and then S-H-A-W-T-Y-S. Like rap lady. Mug shawty. Shawty? So basically this website, exi- or the, sorry, this Twitter feed exists for beautiful women who have been arrested. So they say like- It's women only? It's not guys? It's just, just ladies. Because remember a couple years ago there was that super hunky dude- that all the ladies were going crazy for he, his mug shot. He had oh. the most piercing, beautiful blue eyes. Teardrop hat. Yeah, which yeah. is, you know, you may want to look into what that means before you swipe right on his Tinder profile. <laughs> <laughs> but for whatever reason, and the women went crazy. He got a modeling contract. He got a modeling contract. Yeah. So it's that, that was probably, you'd think, the impetus for this mug shot. He's- I, think, I think that a lot of these women are using this to... I don't know before the fact, but probably after the fact to get attention. It's like chair girl. You throw the thing off, 
You throw a chair off the balcony in Toronto, and all the legal ramifications actually heighten your profile online. Yeah. Now she's she's got what she always wanted. She's famous. Yeah. Right? For no reason. So you think women are breaking the law just to get on Mugshotty's Twitter feed? I don't think they are, but I think once they see the reaction, they kind of embrace it. And, right. and then I think... Give me some examples. I want to see some of the... Okay, step one. Spin her around. I can't see. Give that, us a spin. That is a very attractive woman, it actually. Is. A brunette. And they all kind of know how to take a photo. Eyes. Yeah, she's she's smizing. That's yeah. what that's called, smizing, when you kind of you make love to the camera with your eyes. <laughs> smizing uh, at us. I also like seeing what exactly uh, they yeah. are. Do you want me to for? guess? I would guess that she... Um, I don't know, DUI? Dewey, you nailed yeah. it. Yeah. Here's another one. Dewey in possession of alcohol. Under 21. Show me the picture. I want to guess what they're in Oh, okay, for. okay. Here you go. She almost, she looks like uh, Winona Ryder a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, this, she looks like Halle Berry. Click on that one. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Like very, What's your guess? She, these women look like models. Yeah, yeah. What do you think she's in jail for? Assault with a deadly weapon. Engaging in prostitution. Oh, that's not mm, good. That is good. Uh, there's so many. Hold on. Oh, there! Look at this one. Is that the another same babe? girl from the first? No, uh, another brunette. Yeah, another brunette. I would say she she beat up someone. She mm-hmm. driving suspended license. Oh. Here's one though for the stoners out there: possession of marijuana. Okay, cute little stoner. Yeah, I'm gonna start retweeting these. Go to at Taz and Jim. Taz and A N D Jim. Taz and Jim. If you want to see mug shouties on Twitter. Okay, we have time for one more. Give me okay, one okay. more. Let's see. I've only guessed one correct. Okay. Oh, that's Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, mugshotties. <laughs> that's one of Lindsay Lohan's many mugshots. Yeah, they slowly taper off in the attractive department the later they uh, happen. Uh, you know what, though? I feel like a lot of uh, women that look at these mugshots are like, ooh, bad boy. And it kind of turns them on or they kind of like the rebellious nature of it. I just see giant red flags. They're yeah. cute for sure, but it's not, uh, doesn't turn me on necessarily. Yeah, the bad, the bad girl thing isn't as big as the bad boy thing. Is. How do you like an attempted murderer here, Taz? Wow. Not bad. Yeah. I know she's been charged with attempted murder, but if I was single, I'd have to think about it. <laughs> Does she get conjugal visits? I mean, let's not let's not rush to a decision without hearing her side of the story. <laughs> you know the justice system. <laughs> okay, close that down. We're getting we're getting distracted here. Uh, Twitter account mug shoddies. If you want to see, I'm retweeting the attempted murder one. <laughs> if you want to see some bad girls who are attractive. Tragically Hips, Gord Sinclair joins us. Good morning, Gord. Good morning, Cash. How you doing, man? Good. Good to hear your voice and good to hear that you're making music again. Yeah, thanks very much. It's been a long time. You know, we went through an awful lot and it's, uh, it feels really good. It feels right. So far, the response has been very, very lovely. Uh, it's very buoyant. Well, I read that after Gord passed, you thought to yourself that you may not ever make music again. Is that true? Yeah. Well, it was, uh, I mean, I've had the great fortune of being in the same band my entire career. You know, we started doing this in 1987. 
had a really comfortable routine where we would, you know, write a record and record a record and tour a record, you know, take a little bit of time off and then repeat, you know, and we did that. That became our lives for 15 album cycles, you know, maybe even a bit more. And then, you know, obviously we very close-knit group of guys and, and uh, you know, the band was the sum of its parts. And when we lost Gord, it was like, okay, uh, you know, life changes. You know, all of a sudden there goes the there goes life's routine and, um, you know, and, and what now? And uh, what I found over the course of time is that, that that artistic desire, that compulsion to be creative and to articulate yourself artistically and musically, that doesn't stop, you know? And if anything, following Gord's example, he was uh, he was a prolific and constant creator. Uh, he never stopped writing. And uh, I fell back into the routine of, of trying to trying to write and, and try to express myself, you know? And it must have been, uh, in a way, therapeutic for you to start writing music again. Yeah, very much so. I, I, I had a couple projects. Uh, I, I'm, I'm riding along with my buddy James McKenzie, and we were in the middle of a project with a local artist, so I was able to keep creative and, and keep myself distracted. I've always used music as a means of, as an emotional outlet, you know, and it was about a year ago at this time, I... I, I we lost our old road manager, a guy named Dave Powell, who was our sixth member forever, right out of the university. You know, another sad time in our collective lives. And I was able to articulate my feelings in a song about Gord and, and about Dave uh, called In the Next Life. And after I wrote that, I got in touch with James right away, and John Angus McDonald, and, and basically said, I, I, think, I think I'm ready to make a record. I think I've got the tune that's going to you know make everything gel together and and that's how it really started man yeah it's uh, i mean it's something that everyone faces eventually the the fact that we're we're not on this plane forever you got to think the way you guys and, and and gord in particular were able to do it on your own terms during that final tour like looking back on that it's got to strike you as remarkable that you were able to do what you did yeah it was an amazing experience um you know, obviously, I would give anything to have changed the circumstances under which we undertook that tour, you know. But, uh, you know, when we started off in Victoria rehearsing for it, Gord was real sick. I mean, we honestly were not completely sure that we would be able to do this because because of how ill he actually was. Um, such a brave guy, you know, and such an amazing performer. And I swear, as the tour wore on, the... The, the love and the emotion, the strength and the power of that music and the interaction with the odd audience, um, we felt it on stage every night. And, and I firmly believe Ward got better and better and better physically and every night because of what we were getting back from the crowd, you know. And that, to me, just speaks volumes about the power of not just our band, but the power of live performance and that that community that you can create with a, with a great concert where everyone's like, wow, this is, we're experiencing this together. You know, this is beyond just music. This is, this is emotion, you know, and it's, it was really, really boring, an incredible experience to be part of, for sure. Yeah, I can't imagine what it was like for you guys on stage, because I know in the country, you created an energy. During that tour, the whole time you guys were out on the road, you could just feel it. And I, I felt like people were just being nicer to each other. We were all tragically hip fans who were in this cheering you guys on. 
I, I couldn't agree more. And we really felt it. You know, we, we felt it every night on the stage. And, and after the tour ended, the number of people, you know, each of us, and, you know, I can only speak for myself, but the people you run into that express their genuine emotions and where they were and who they were with. And it was an opportunity to get together with your your family, your closest friends. And, and in a lot of ways, that's I, I drew inspiration from that to make this record, you know, like, just as you said, I mean, the, the, the mortality that is something we all share. And while we're here, you know, you got to take the time to put your arm around your buddy, you know, and, and let him know what he or she means to you and your partner and, and phone up your mom, you know, and those small little things, but, you know, not do it on the Facebook or the, the you know, Twitter or whatever, but get together with your buddies, you know, look each other's in the eye and, and you know, and music's a great opportunity for people to do that. We, we lived through it, you know, and, and, and Gord led us through that. It was, it was quite something. The new album is Taxi Dancers. Gord's in the van. He's uh, he's going out on tour. He's in the van right now, and he's on the phone here with us, Taz and Jim. What was it like for you, Gord, getting uh, up in front of the microphone as a lead singer? Well, it's a, it's a little different. You know, I, I, I've been describing myself as a reluctant solo artist, you know, it's not, there's a reason that I play the bass and stood beside Johnny for 40 years and, <laughs> and watched Gorge Breer end, you know, <laughs> not really my personality type. What of you? Know, you? But, I, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I've been using Gorge's great line from our song Flamingo, you know, walk like a matador, don't be a chicken, don't be a chicken shit, you know, that, that idea that, and and Paul from the band really, you know, when I first started talking about maybe doing this, he was like, you got to do it, man. You got to step up. You got to step up to the mic and sing. And, uh, yeah, so here I did. Here I am. I find myself, you know, I keep hearing Ward's voice in the back of my, my ear saying, you know, don't let it rest. Just do it. And I'm sure all the hip fans out there listening right now, excited to hear your voice again. I mean, we've uh, we've sung along with you and and with Paul on the backups. And a lot of your your parts in those songs are the sing along parts. So it's it's nice to hear your voice on these new tracks. I appreciate it, man. It's it's uh, it's fun. I, again, it's a different it, it's a different thing for me, but uh, I am really really liking it. I, uh, music's a music's a powerful thing. And, it doesn't take long after I get off the road or finish a project where I'm, you know, back on the radio listening to tunes or putting putting records on the stereo. And uh, it's a big part of my life, and I'm I'm, I'm happy and, and privileged to be doing it again. Tell us about your relationship with John Angus McDonald. It's really blossomed over the past decade, Gord. He's a wonderful guy. He's a fantastic musician, great songwriter, really really good record producer all my years in the hip, I'm a firm believer in collaboration. You know, there's, you can only, you know, everyone can make music on their own, on their laptops, you know, in their right. groups or their basements and stuff, but I, I honestly believe, you know, unless you're Prince, you know, you can only take a song so far by yourself, you know, and, and it's great to have an objective set of ears to to say, hey, how, you know, how can I make this a better song? And in some cases, you, you, you've got it right already. In other cases, like, maybe it needs to be a little doesn't need this part or needs more of this and less of that and uh, so I really lean heavily on guys you know uh, and and vice versa I've made records with uh, James's band I've made records with John Angus's band and you know and the, and you just you flip roles you know just being that objective set of ears and there's no ego there's no like 
hey, help me make this a better song. And, and, and the, the guy is just totally delivered for me. The Tragically Hips, Gord Sinclair, solo opening up for the Trues. You're doing a little rip here, back on the road again with, uh, with the Trues, guys. Are you excited to be back on the road? Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I, uh, it's a big, again, big part of my life that I've enjoyed for, gosh, close to 40 years. I, I, uh, I miss it. I love the interaction uh, with the audience, but I particularly love the interaction with, with my fellow musicians. Uh, there's a synonym for playing with yourself, <laughs> which I won't use on the radio. I think we uh, can figure you know, it out, Gord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, read, read between those lines. But when you get up there with a group of guys, you know, particularly talented musicians like, again, like James um, and, uh, and guys in the trues, it's, uh, it's great. It, 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 you up your game, and that musical interaction, that sense of communications, is something I really miss uh, on a day-to-day basis. Again, I, I played with the hip for a long time, you know, and, and, and the great fortune as a bass player to play with the same drummer night after night, gig after gig, recording session after night, you know, you, you really learn that, it, that that musical communication is just like a, it's just like a different language, you know, and you, you start to be able to read each other's minds. Uh, it's, it's quite something. So I, I've missed it, and I'm, I'm glad to be doing it again. Could Rob, Paul, Johnny, and yourself ever see yourselves getting back together to work on a project and make music together, Gord? Or is that something that uh, is undecided at this point? Yeah, I mean, we are in constant communication with each other. Uh, it's, it's not something that we have really talked about or, or entertained at this at this point, I, you know, I will honestly say I will never say never. You know, uh, uh, I love those guys, and I, 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 I love the music that we made together. And I, I love playing with them, and, uh, you know, if the right circumstances came up, I would be the first guy there. So I will never say never. Well, Gord Sinclair, break a leg tonight on stage, Guelph, Ontario at the River Run Center, and then Prince Edward, Richmond Hill, Milton, Brampton, Oakville. We'll put all the dates on our website if people want to come and check you out, opening for the Trues. The new album is Taxi Dancers, and the new single, Forward March Fight. You heard it here first with Taz and Jim. Awesome, fellas. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for checking out the Taz and Jim podcast. If you want to listen to us the old-fashioned way, live on the radio, you can do that on FM 96 in London or Y108 in Hamilton weekday mornings from 5.30 until 9.30. Or subscribe, keep downloading the podcast, and we'll keep talking.